Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rap Diablo. Yeah, yeah. It's the welcome back to this uh, likely a season finale, sadly, of uh, Friends of My Ex Wife's Husband, a NBA Draft podcast. I am your host Joe Fody. Joining me from Charlotte, North Carolina, right? Still, I'm actually in Winston tonight. Ah, uh, back in Winston. Okay. Um, is Austin Hackney. Austin, how are we doing, King? I'm doing good, man. Well, you say you say season finale, but when do we go into the season opener for 2023 draft? Some of these guys have already started, so yeah, we're gonna have our we're gonna have a victim women victim Victor Weminyama centered podcast starting in February next year, uh, where we just fawn it. It'll just be us watching highlights, being like, "Whoa, what the <laughs> fuck!" Wow. Yeah, that'll be it for an hour. Do that. We won't, we won't post the video of it even. It's just audio of us, yeah. like, of us fawning. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so this this episode, uh, we're going to kind of just recap the draft, uh, talk about our favorite picks, what we're surprised by, what we like, what we don't like, you know, just fit, fits that we really thought uh, had worked out for the players and teams and things like that. Rookie of the year odds we'll talk about, and then some of the scuttle on the free agent side of things, particularly as it relates to some of the young guys in this draft um, and the teams that picked high. Uh, so, yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and kick it off. Um, awesome. What was your favorite or favorite few picks in this draft, just in terms of player team fit value, um, you know, and the like? Yeah. Um, I'll start with uh, kind of in the top 10. I loved uh, the vacuum um, and I've, you know, obviously, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with him, but I uh, I kind of do like his fit a lot with Pelicans. Obviously, he doesn't have to come in there right away, be a complete game changer. But I do think he will get into the rotation. Um, is he Herb Jones type uh, a player? As far as do they already have this type of player? Um, I don't think so. I think he's better, and I think he projects to be a lot better than Herb Jones. No disrespect to uh, to our boy, but. Um, I really like Dyson to go there and to be able to get in that rotation, be able to play multiple positions for them. If that's being point guard, the two or the three, um, kind of going down the list and, and getting out of, uh, the lottery. Um, I really liked, uh, Marjan Beauchamp going to the bucks. They needed to get uh, a little bit at more athletic at the wing position. Um, and uh, somebody that can defend. They have a lot of good, as far as, they're kind of more two guards than three guards, but, you know, the Grayson Allens, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Pat Connington's uh, of the world that they have. And I feel like they just needed a bigger athletic wing that could be able to do a little bit of everything. And I, I really liked him a lot. Um, yeah, I also liked uh, two picks after Bochamp. Really what Minnesota did, uh, in general with all their picks, but uh, Wendell Moore, um, I, I thought uh, leading up to the draft was going to be a, a good sleeper for any team uh, coming in as far as that needed a, a nice athletic wing that can kind of do everything. Obviously had two bad seasons as far as the start of his career at Duke, but but ended really well last year. Um, you know, made a run for ACC Player of the Year and was just awesome on a team that had uh, you know, so many good players, obviously, from ones that were drafted uh, in this year's draft. Uh, so I really liked what they did, and I really liked Wendo Moore uh, being on that team. Uh, who did uh, who kind of caught your eye as far as these first round picks? I'll just say, well, two things. First off, I agree with you on all three counts uh, of the uh, Dyson, Bochamp, and Wendell Moore. I also will say, five first round picks, none who could score on Leaky Black, but you know. That's the you know there. That tells you something about next year's draft. <laughs> <laughs> Leaky Black one, Victor Wembanyama two. Um, it's just what I've been saying. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like I said, I agree with you on those. Uh, as far as uh, early picks, I, I think the consensus was on this, and I, I think we both agree that Jaden Ivey at five represented really great value. Um. And just a really good fit next to Cade Cunningham as a, as a, uh, a guy who's really going to attack the rim. I think Cade's better as a, as a jump shooter slash playmaker. 
Uh, Jaden Ivey's better as a downhill player, and I think his jumper will come along. And um, I think if he just like doesn't get bored on defense, which he did a lot of, uh, during Big Ten games, uh, he can be okay on that end. Uh, I really like the, the guard. I think as far as just like a backcourt, those two are going to really thrive together for a long time. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Jabari Smith, who I think I kind of shit on way too much because I thought he was going to go number one. I think you did as well. I think he's excellent value at number three. Uh, I think he's a really good fit with that Rockets team if they can get Jalen Green to pass from the ball, um, which, you know, we'll see. Uh, and I also really, you know, I really um, – I loved uh, at 16, A.J. Griffin. Um, I know, again, another guy we kind of shit on last episode. But price matters a lot with uh, the draft. And I think drafting a guy in the top 10 that has injury problems and other game concerns versus drafting him outside the lottery uh, for a Hawks team that really is just, you know, they could always use shooting – um, this is a guy that, that at 18 years old can really blossom right behind the kind of core they have in place. Uh, really love that upside play. And I don't think that if you if it's a 16th pick, if, if the knees don't don't cooperate, it's not like you're losing uh, out on a whole lot. So I really like that for them as well uh, at 16. And my favorite value of the whole draft, uh, and I still have no idea why he fell this far, was E.J. Liddell in the 40s going to New Orleans. New Orleans has really picked well in the second round as of late, finding guys like Herb Jones, and, and he wasn't even drafted with Jose Alvarado, and, and worked, worked in the margins pretty well. I think there's another case of that where they find a guy in um, EJ Liddell that is really going to be a do-it-all defender for them. Can do a little bit on offense as well, as, as a nice jumper, can, can finish around the rim, play make a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be a fulcrum of anything, but I, I just think that for you know an eighth or ninth man, they find that guy in the second round on a playoff team. He's absolutely going to find rotation minutes. And I think when you're talking about you have four really elite defenders with Jose Alvarado, uh, Dyson Daniels, or potential elite defenders, Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, and E.J. Liddell, you really don't have to spend a whole lot on any of those guys aside from Dyson Daniels. Not to mention the offensive firepower that you have, hopefully with Zion coming back, C.J., Valanciunas, Ingram, what have you. I'm probably forgetting uh, somebody. This team is really set up well. to, to And I hate to uh, not hate to say it. I, I want to say contend because they, the roster is really strong and they have a superstar if he cooperates and his health cooperates. I, I really want, I'm excited to see that Pelicans team play. They're well coached, Willie really Green. Um, so, yeah, those are my favorite picks of the draft. Uh, just in terms of value, I think teams taking good swings. Was there anyone in this draft that you really weren't crazy about where they landed or how, or how early they went or anything like that? I mean, we can – this will be beating a dead horse. Uh, obviously, Keegan Murray – it's really not where he landed as far as what the Kings did or did not do with the pick. Um, especially when you have leverage, but you use none of it uh, as far as trying to entice somebody to come up there. And then you are able to either move back and pick up more assets, more picks, players, uh and he didn't just because one guy would not give you his medical information. He just didn't want to play there. So that, that one, obviously people are going to talk about across the board as far as being, you know, he's always going to be compared to Jaden Ivey uh, at that point, especially after those three guys at the top. So obviously that one, um, I like Ochai Baji a little bit more than I think, other people do, and I think that you do, but 14 might be a little bit high for him. Um, you know, really from the 17 to 20 range, I think would probably be a little bit better. But they they needed a guy slotted for that as far as a, a guy that could come in right now and help win to an already loaded roster. So uh, that one, a little bit uh, questionable. And I, we'll talk about more, but I'm not a fan of what Memphis did. I'm not saying that the players they picked up in the first round are bad. Uh, I just think they they didn't have to do what they did to get them. I know Jake LaRavia was getting a lot of praise, uh, you know, right before draft night. You know, he's doing great in workouts and in interviews. But 19's high, man. 19's high for, for a guy that's unathletic. Knows how to play the game well. He's old, um, and I, I thought it was just a, a reach. And then they reach again with with your Sixers, um, and we'll talk about that trade more. But with kind of a similar guy, as far as a six six wing who's like 
250 pounds. He can really play, but um, he didn't do well in his uh, the, the NBA Combine. And I, I don't know, man. Like, I just I just didn't see it with them. So those are probably the biggest head scratchers um, that I saw. Maybe Dalen Taylor, Terry a little bit. I thought he should have gone probably eight picks later, but um, I can see where they're going, where they're going with it. But um, those are probably the biggest ones that I that I uh, kind of took from the draft. So what what uh, which ones did you think kind of were head scratchers for you going into it? Yeah, um, I I didn't hate the Murray pick. Uh, I just I, I get it. I, but I'm with you. I think if, if the interest in Ivy was as fervent as people were saying it was, yeah, they should have just traded out instead of taking Murray, in my opinion. And I don't know who – like, there's other guys that think down the line that you could have gotten similar production from and picked up more picks and what have you. But neither here nor there. I, again, I have no issue with the Murray pick as a, 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 in a vacuum. I also think, to your point about Memphis, like, I think we both like those players a lot, Laravia uh, and Roddy. But to move up for those guys, or and, and in the case of Roddy, to trade away a really good player, maybe the best player in the NBA, the Anthony Melton, uh, to get him, um, I think is a little bit um, ridiculous. But you know, a fan of fan of both players, just just not the value. Uh, for me, you know, the biggest head scratch was Shaden Sharp. Uh, not, I don't want to say the biggest seven for Shaden Sharp. To me, I'm sorry, the guy. The like, there's a Simpsons meme where it's like. You know, we'll, we'll put it, we'll paraphrase it for NBA purposes. It's like Jeremy Sochan is Jeremy Sochan, but Shaden Sharp could be anything. And it's like, yeah, he probably is going to not be a good player, like in the, all the odds are. And you took him in the uh, top seven over guys like Dyson Daniels, who produced really well in the G League last year. Jeremy Sochan was really good at Baylor. Johnny Davis, who was a player of the year candidate. Uzman Dang, who has a ton of potential. Uh, not to mention uh, other guys that, that actually played basketball in the last two years. Uh, I, I just thought seven for Shaden Sharp was, was ridiculous. And I think that if you had the chance to give up that pick for someone like Ananobi uh, or whoever um, for a team that's contending or wants to contend around Dame Lillard, I have no idea why they really they really took the, the shot on Shaden Sharp. Again, maybe he had a great workout with them, and, and he's a guy that has a frame that could prove me wrong. And I, I have said good things about Shaden Sharp in the past. I'm not a hater. I just felt like for this team where they're at, I thought at six he would have been a better pick. And I thought at nine – uh, or 10, he would have been an excellent pick. But at 7 with the Blazers where they're at, I didn't get it. Uh, again, nothing against the player. I just I just felt like the, p- picking a Pandora's box for that team made no sense. Um, I, you touched on the Abaji. Yeah, I mean, he's just the guy to me. He's, he's a little bit on the older side, too. He didn't really do a whole lot at Kansas that, that was impressive. I, I thought I thought taking him um, in the lottery was, was asinine. I would have much rather taken A.J. Griffin, who's probably better already, uh, much younger, uh, can provide shooting right away. You know, I thought that that was just a little bit of a, a ridiculous um, uh, swing there. I also thought uh, you mentioned Dalen Terry, and I brought him up as well. I, I thought that, that was a, a massive reach for a guy who doesn't really do anything on offense at this point. Um, and one other guy, and I know I'm going to be looked at as a hater for this, but because I, I don't, who cares about the second round? Um, well, I'm sorry. Let me let me back up real quick. Peyton Watson going in the first round is the most insane thing I think I've ever seen. <laughs> this guy, okay, let me not be that mean to a teenager. He's not anywhere close to getting on. He's two years away from being two years away. I guess Denver took him as a guy to stash in the G League and, and develop, and they do develop guys well. But I don't know what they saw in Watson to make them think that he's going to be that kind of guy. He wasn't a, he's, he's long, but he's not a great athlete, uh, you know, and, and he, he didn't do anything at UCLA last year worth noting. Three points a game. Three points a game for a first-round pick. Um, I I could probably give you three points a game at UCLA if, uh, if I got you know the hot hand, but neither here nor there. Um, and I also just thought Christian Coloco. I know it's a second-round pick. I'm sorry, man. Why is Toronto using a pick, their only pick, on a 22-year-old center? I don't care that he was pretty athletic. I don't care that Masai probably has information on him that we don't understand. I don't care that he probably will be good because the Raptors develop guys well. The Raptors desperately could use guard play. I don't care what their philosophy is on drafting guys. You eventually need to have guys who can put the ball in the bucket on their own. They don't have anyone, aside from Siakam, that can do that in the playoffs right now. And Siakam can't do it from three. I know you're not finding that guy in the second round genuinely, but God, man, like try. I don't know, like another big man, like just I don't get it. And and, and Raptors Twitter has been, been head over heels for this guy for whatever reason. No chance they knew who he was two days ago. 
hmm. or, or a week ago, I should say. But I just thought taking a 22-year-old center was your only pick when you need a lot of other stuff. I'm not saying it was bad value, but I just I didn't get that pick at all. Um, so, yeah, th- those are the ones that really were head-scratchers for me. And again, they're not even really anti the – I don't really dislike the players much. I just disliked where they were taken. I think that Baji going in the mid-20s would have been fine for a team. The lottery is just insane over guys like Mark Williams, A.J. Griffin, Tari Eason, Malachi Branham. You know, I just thought it was a little bit crazy. Even Marjan Beauchamp I would have liked at 14 more than uh, Oshai Baji. So, yeah, those, those are the ones I wasn't crazy about, um, but just in terms of, of you know, their fit. Um, what was your take on the uh, on Paolo kind of surprisingly going number one? You know, obviously that was kind of a surprise. Do you like that fit there? What do you think about Orlando's decision? Do you think they made the right call? Yeah, obviously a, a fun way to start off uh, draft night with not even having a guy come in for workouts and you do Zoom calls with them. And then you're like, wow, this is a big dude. Um, but, yeah, I actually like that fit better than Jabari. They had one of the worst offenses in the league last year. And so, history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so what do you need more than somebody that can initiate your offense? I mean, and that's what Bancaro can do right now. And like we've said last year, or last year, last couple episodes, is that this dude, you could have plugged him into an NBA game last year, and he'd probably be actually fine. Like, he'd probably be pretty good. And that's not a standpoint of just his frame and his body, but it's more of the dude is just a bucket and he can get other dudes buckets. And that's all coming from a 6'10", 250-pound frame. I mean, that just doesn't happen. So for them, they need a guy that will be able to initiate offense. And they have other dudes that can help with that. Um but if Jabari came in there, like we talked about, dude is not right now seated to come in there and just be like, yo, give me the ball. I'm going to get us, I'm going to get us a bucket. Paolo, I, he's going to do that day one. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that for Orlando. Um, obviously, the defense is a concern. They have other dudes that can play defense on that team. Uh, we'll just see kind of what happens. But, you know, it, definitely a surprise. But I, I like the fit better than uh, how it was mocking as far as Jabari there instead of Paolo. So um, kind of when I took a, a look back on it, I, I kind of realized, well, you know, I, I think it makes more sense for them as far as even fit. And, you know, like we've talked about, any three of these guys are worthy of the number one spot. But as far as for what Orlando needs, uh, I, I really liked them going with Paolo there. Yeah, man, I'm with you. Um, it's funny, like I, I think I think this happens where it was kind of happened with the NFL draft last year with Lance, Trey Lance, and Mac Jones, where it was like he was Mac Jones for so long at three, and then Trey Lance gets picked, and you're like, oh, that is the right pick, even though it's a surprise. Same thing here, like Paolo is the right pick at one. I think we both agree that even though I had Chet. As a better prospect, I think just because of the position versatility and, and what the, and the skill set, I thought Paolo should have gone one. Um, I also think Wendell Carter is a really serviceable player, and I think it should have stuck with him. But uh, anyway, long story short, yeah, Paolo at one I think was was you know the right call, and it did seem a little bit insane they were taking Jabari Smith the whole way. Uh, not, nothing against the guy, obviously we talked at length about him. Um, so yeah, man, I, I, I'm with you. I think I think. Uh, I think the top, like I said, I think the top eleven picks were all really sound in their in their process. I, like I said, I think Shaden Sharp and Keegan Murray went went to bad situations in terms of just for them, but I don't think they were like massive reaches. I just think that those weird fits. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm with you. I think that teams seem to be pretty smart in the way they went about this this whole thing. So, um, absolutely, you know, hats off, hats off, I guess, to them. Uh, and then I guess the other thing to discuss is uh, your rookie of the year favorite. Who uh, who do you like as a as as like a favorite, and who do you like as a sleeper? Maybe that obviously there's no lines out yet, but if there were, who you like as a sleeper? Yeah, um, I really like Bankero. Obviously, I mean it's not that what? hard to, <laughs> to say that you like the number one pick to be the rookie of the year. Um, but as far as impact, and he's going to get kind of the reins the first day. Um, I, I really like him. Um, honestly, man, uh, 
it, it's tough. Chet, I don't, I, I don't really see. I think that he'll have a good year, and he's obviously going to make a lot of mistakes. All these guys are going to. But um, as far as kind of a sleeper that would be in the top ten uh, of this draft, and I think I, it's kind of weird. I think I think Jeremy Sohan at nine, man, is kind of a one of those where you know I could see him going ten eight and six like averaging that throughout the year and and being like a second team uh you know or a first team all rookie defense type of um now the odds probably be pretty bad for him but you know he doesn't have that much competition in the front court to be able to get minutes so you know a guy that's a do-all type of guy that you're not asking to go out there and shoot threes all day uh, I, I think is a pretty good shot. All these other guys, I think, might have some growing pains or just not going to get the ball right away. And, you know, DeJounte Murray is going to be taking a lot of their shots, but also I've been seeing – If he's there. Yeah, I was about to say, also I've been seeing some stuff he might get traded. So um, I would say that would be more of my sleeper as far as probably his odds are like plus 5,000. You know, I don't know what they actually are, but you know, something crazy like that. I, I could see Jeremy uh, possibly getting some love if he can stay on the court and be productive. No, I'm with you. I don't think there's any reason he can't have a Scotty Barnes type of role if they do move Murray. Um, in terms of just having the ball in his hands a lot, trying to create more. He's not as good as Scotty was creating at all coming out of college, but I do think he's more athletic, and I think he. I don't know if his jumper's better because Scotty's wasn't very good at it coming out, but it, it, it's not worse. Um, and I also think that, you know, he'll have a lot of the rookie of the year stuff is volume. Uh, I think he'll have a ton of volume, like you mentioned, There's like no, really no competition for touches, especially if Murray leaves. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that. I like that idea a lot. I'm actually going to go one pick below that to Johnny Davis. Um, I don't think I'll have quite as much volume to early on, but I think once he gets his chance, he's going to take, make the most of it. This is not a, a shy player. Uh, and this is not a guy that's going to be on a team that with a lot of competition for shots outside of Bradley Beal. Maybe Przingis uh, as well, but you know, obviously he's a front court player. There's no reason Davis can't be in that starting lineup by midseason, and there's no reason he can't average 15, 17 a game. He needs to tighten up some things, and but he's the kind of guy I'm betting on uh, to do just that. And I actually think that um, I have a hard time believing the Wizards are going to go forward the way they are. Although I've been saying that for three years, and they continue to wallow in mediocrity. Who knows why? But Johnny Davis, another guy. I think that if you can get like 25 to one or better on him, I, I would maybe take the plunge. My plunge, I mean, like 20 bucks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, anything on Paolo under even money seems a little bit crazy. Uh, everyone else kind of has a leap ball hit on their team already that is going to take up a lot. Paolo is going to come in as that guy. So, you know, I, I, I'd i be very surprised if he's healthy, if he doesn't win it. But, you know, uh, we're not here to, to bet favorites, although we sometimes we are. Uh, we're here to, to find value wherever we can. So, um, yeah, and then. I did have one more question in terms of just second round guys. Is there anyone? That, I mean, I know I touched on Liddell and Coloco a little bit as far as guys that I I noticed, but is there anyone in the second round that you were really thought that you know thought that was good value or really liked in, in their fit or what have you? Yeah. Um, so still touching on Orlando, I, I think their pick right there at the beginning of the second round was was really good with Caleb Houston. I mean, a guy that obviously kind of in the same boat with Patrick Baldwin, um, you know, underwhelming year for a guy that was originally projected to be a top 15 pick without a doubt. Um, I, I thought was, I thought was really good value to take, especially trying to load up on wings that are, um, you know, multi-talented and have, you know, different assets of their game that can flourish uh, in, in a system. So, and they need guys that, that can play and he he uh you know when he was coming out of high school as far as offensive threat uh, at his size was you know uh <clears throat> pretty big thing for him as far as going to uh, michigan so i really like what they did there obviously we touched on ej liddell going so late at 41 uh to the pelicans i don't know how much he'll play right away but uh, I think that was a, a good pickup as far as uh, getting a guy like that late in the draft. Um, 
probably one other one is your boy Jaden Hardy uh, going to That's a right. team like Dallas. Um, now, I hope it doesn't turn into kind of like the Dennis Smith Jr. project because they're kind of somewhat a little bit similar, very athletic guys. Are they questionable shooting? Uh, but, you know, they needed another guard to hopefully take some pressure off Luca and those second unit. Um, and so when you can get a guy at 37 that at one point in his basketball career was a top five mocked player, I mean, you know, I know he kind of went a different route than a lot of these other guys, but I mean, that that's saying something for, for a guy like that. And so uh, I, I really like that they were able to get him, you know, late and, you know, that slide was kind of crazy. He was kind of, we were seeing stuff as far as around 20, um, even, yeah. you know, 18, 19. So uh, I think that they got really good value there. And it especially fills a need um, that they kind of uh, showed up in the playoffs where, and especially with Jalen Brunson, he might not be there next year. So uh, did you, who did you like as far as second rounders? I know EJ Liddell is your boy. But who uh, who else did you like uh, that went to a a team that you think that they can tr- contribute to at some point? I'm not saying this year, but some point. Yeah, um, I think Kennedy Chandler thirty eight was really nice. Uh, we kind of talked about. We'll say it, we hit that prop over. Um, we actually do need to gloat about our prop success at the end of this podcast, but we'll <laughs> we save that for a second. Um, yeah, I thought Kennedy Chandler thirty eight was really nice value. He's lottery guy if he's three inches taller i think that is a backup point guard i think he ended up in memphis uh, if i remember yep. right and which is a little bit weird because i did take tie tie so i'm not sure if he's ever going to really see the floor much but knowing memphis will turn him into the best backup point guard in the league um i thought josh Minot going to minnesota at 45 was really nice value as well this is an analytics darling really young player long uh can do a lot of things to, like you know kind of a dirty work guy Minnesota needs players like that. You know, they, they have scores. They have guys who can go get their own shot. Um, but they could really – every team could use those guys, but I think especially them. Um, and then I also really – my favorite val- – I think – I think I don't want to say my favorite value, but I think the guy, the widest disparity between where I thought he would go versus where he did go was Kendall Brown. This is a guy I mocked a 16 in my last mock draft to Atlanta, uh, which you did say at the time was, was overzealous. And you were right. But 48, I thought, was just insane for a guy who was really young, has, has really interesting skills, uh, really good body, um, played at a, a, a blue blood school, uh, you know, was, was pretty pretty good for them last year. I mean, uh, I guess it could have been better in some facets, but I thought 48 for a team like Indiana that's kind of rebuilding uh, to pick up another uh, wing project uh, was really strong. I also really like the Cavs completely pandering to their franchise cornerstone, Evan Mobley. By drafting his brother, buying the pick just to draft his brother. Complete yeah. waste of resources, but also not really. Um, so, you know, big fan of those, too. I also like J.D. Davidson uh, going to Boston. Um, but that's I can't say anything nice about Boston, so I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> what, uh, I have a question for you, um, or I guess kind of a broad spectrum question. You know, what, what teams with multiple picks do you think did well? And do you think that there were any that faltered? Yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved what the Spurs did. Um, abs- I mean, for staying in their spots, I absolutely loved it. I think what OKC did, I mean, I think a two, yeah, kind of easy pick. But I'll be honest, I don't think they're getting the kind of hate. Uh, hate's a strong word, but I, I, I think I don't think they're going to get in the, the. I think people are giving Presti too much benefit of the doubt. I think trading three first round picks. I don't care what the protections were for Uzman Jang was was just uh, out of control, um, especially when you had the twelfth pick. And Jalen Williams at 12, I mean, we both love the player, but good Lord, this was a guy that people were saying was going to go in the 20s. You take him at 12, instead of just trading up one spot or maybe hoping Jeng falls or I don't know, maybe just not taking, not being desperate for a guy who sucked last year in France or Australia, I should say. Um, yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't, I, I thought that was a little bit overzealous. I, again, I, we both like all three players a lot, like good for them. And they have a surplus of picks. But I also think like that's the problem with having a surplus of picks to that level is that you are going to end up having to overpay to get rid of them or just use them on G League players and then like or or you know in this case like you know trade all three of them to get to get one guy that's very speculative 
Um, so I wasn't crazy about OKC did. And then I, on the other end of the OKC trade, I think the Knicks, uh, that whole fiasco was very bizarre. Um, I don't think it was as bad as people make it out to be. I, I understand the protections on those picks are tough, but I also think they're going to be more used for trades anyway. Um, and they really didn't see anyone there that they loved, which I kind of get because there really wasn't anyone there that was like a knockout prospect. I don't think trading all that was bad. I, the, the first part of that trade, I think the second part, trading the for the Charlotte pick and then selling Kemba off for, for Duran to Detroit was weird and horrible. But I didn't think the first part of the trade with the OKC part was that bad. Um, so, yeah, I'd say as far as teams multiple picks, I think the Spurs did the best. I didn't love what OKC did. I didn't love what Memphis did at all. Because I think trading up for two guys I really liked, you really liked, but overpaid uh, was bizarre. Who else had multiple picks? Now I'm, th- um, now I'm thinking more about Oh, Houston. Got two very good players, Jabari Smith and Tari Eason. Love what they did. Houston's been really killing the draft the last few years. So I'm big, I think they should have taken Mobley last year. But at the same time, they, they now have – they've gotten three very good bigs because their last three first-round picks with with, uh, uh, with Tari Eason, of course, Jabari Smith. And, uh, God, who's the center that we love? His name is escaping me now. Alperin Sangoon, of course. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes a Jalen Green pick a lot, lot more palatable because he's going to be a good player. Um, yeah, I think that kind of covers it. Sorry, what, who do you uh, who do you like in this one as far as teams with multiple picks? Yeah, no, I know. I, I kind of agree with those. OKC was a little uh, – I don't think this this would be the draft that I would go be going crazy for these wings because once you get to this part of the draft as far as past 10, um, you know – Yes, we liked Usman Dang, and we like Jalen Williams, but to take them back to back at eleven and twelve within the lottery, like, uh, and then giving up, you know, three first round picks. I know that they have, you know, twenty trillion in their back pocket, but um, yeah, just kind of weird. And then taking another one in the second round, uh, it was kind of strange. So they what they did was weird. Um, well, probably, I mean. Maybe two of these guys will actually play for them. Who knows? Uh, but I thought what they did was strange. Yeah, I loved what Houston did. Um, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, and I like Ty Ty Washington, um, you know, more than, than a lot of people. But getting him at 29, I mean, was just, I thought, great value. And be able another combo guard that can play with or without Jalen and uh, and was good when he was healthy, and that's the only thing as far as with him. Uh, yeah, I, you know, as far as Memphis, I'm not really sure, uh, but it did benefit Minnesota, and I think they did really well with getting Walker Kessler. Now, can they play him and Cat together? I don't know. But, and then getting one deal more, and then uh, I'm escaping who, uh, who else they got. Um, Who's that, Minnesota? Yeah. Was it? Oh, they got more. Yeah, they got Kessler. They got Wendell Moore. And then they got, well, they got Kennedy Josh. Uh, what? Kennedy Chandler. No, they got Memphis got him. Damn. Memphis I- got him. Josh, no, I confused. I can, Memphis and Minnesota always are confusing me because I said I had that confused too. Josh Minow went at 45. Minow. I'm not sure that's who you were mentioning. Yes, 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 yes. It was a second round pick, yeah. Um, no, I liked what they did uh, as well, kind of trading almost back a little bit and uh, and figuring out. Um, Denver, I thought that they reached on, on Christian Brown. I'm with you. Um, 21's high for a guy that doesn't have one specific skill that he can bring to the NBA right now and be good at. Well, shit-talking. Well, shit talking, yes, and having a very good looking mother, uh, also. So, um, but I, I just thought that that was way too high for some of these guys that are coming off the board uh, after him, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody royally imploded on their picks, and it's hard because. You know, we, we talk a lot about these guys all the time. We see all these mocks, and, and you kind of fall in love with a lot of these players, even though half of these guys will probably be on a different team in three years. So, yeah. you know, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought everybody did pretty well. There was not like – there was a couple head scratchers, but 
Um, nothing too crazy. I, I did like uh, I did like what the Hornets did as far as uh, their picks that they got were kind of they're null and void. They're a bunch of second round picks and a one I think one first round pick. But obviously getting Mark Williams, who we liked a lot, and Bryce McGowan's in the second round, I thought was a uh, a nice pickup for them. So my backcourt type of wing player that obviously is raw and needs a lot of time, but, um, you know, just trying to surround LaMelo with dudes that can play. Um, I, I think it, it was big for them. So those are probably the yeah. biggest ones, biggest takeaways as far as winners and losers. With multiple yeah. I, forgot to mention, I forgot to mention Detroit. I did mention that they, I love the Ivy pick, but much as we crap, much as we shit on Duran too, I think Durant at 13 for what they, I mean, they basically got Durant for uh, Jeremy Grant. So, yeah. you know, I think that was a, uh, at the end of the day. So was, I think that was a really nice, it was basically Durant and Kemba Walker for, Jer- for Jeremy Grant, Kemba Walker's contract, which is one year, eight million, which is nothing. And they're going to um, buy out of that anyways. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I, I liked, I liked that quite a bit too. And I think that, Duran in Detroit makes a lot of sense as a pick and roll partner and, and rim protector. I like Isaiah Stewart a lot, but he can pro- he can play the four. And I think he's more of a backup. Um, yeah, I think that I think that that's a nice cent- uh, center combination for them. And I think at thirteen, when you're outside of that elite group of guys, I think taking him in the top eleven would have been insane. But I think at thirteen, just because of the drop off there, um, I think taking him after Jalen Williams especially is really nice. Uh, and I agree with you on Charlotte as well. I think taking Mark Williams at 15 is super nice too. So, um, yeah. I will say too, it was really funny. There was a video with a phone call between Mark Williams and MJ. Mm. And MJ just cannot talk to anybody without talking shit like right away. Like, he just, he just, it's like, you can, it's like a, it's like a, it's like an addict with a twitch. Like he just, he can't help himself. No. He immediately goes to like, I know you're a dookie, but I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm like, Bro, you just change this kid's life for the best. Like, just be nice for a second, man. <laughs> Come on. Oh, man. But he just he can't do it. It's funny. But um, yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I think we I think we kind of covered it. Um, so last couple things here, we want to gloat about recap slash gloat about our picks. I know we we didn't get Jabari at one and Palo at three, right? Which stings because even Woj the fucking morning of the draft tweeted that that was the order, and we thought we had that locked up. And then, of course, 20 minutes beforehand. Um, no, that changes. Fortunately, Sorry. I did throw Palo future bet on the first pick like a long time ago. Oh, nice. It did, it did hit. So that was nice. But I, hey, there you go. But yeah, I actually got, I got Palo plus like, 180 like two days before the draft or a day before the draft or something just as like protection. Yeah. And so like I got something. I was fine. Obviously, it's tough when you're doing these in podcasts, not tweeting them out and shit, because it's like you can't really like tell listeners live. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. Um, yeah, uh, that was really the biggest one. But uh, yeah, I mean that kind of screwed everything up in a sense. Uh, Kings with Hugh Murray, we talked about a lot. Uh, your boy Jeremy Shohan going in the top ten. Uh, the one that I didn't hit on that. Would have probably paid out a, a lot. I can't remember what it was at, but uh, our boy Uzman going top ten as well. So, um, but we we got it right with Jalen Duran. Got it right with AJ Griffin. Um, the other one that we royally missed on was our boy EJ Liddell. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, we screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think who else. So we so okay so we nailed so Keegan at four, Jaden Ivy at five, Chet at two. We got correct. Matherin, uh, I took him over five and a half. I'm not sure I shared on the pod though. Um, and then Sochan top ten. I think we talked. I think I had like 18 bets on that. So that was huge for me personally. Yeah. Um, Dang, not going top ten. That would have been really nice if he did. Uh, we had um, Jang going over Agbaji, which was really nice. We had yeah. Davis going over Griffin. We had Mark, uh, and then we had someone else going over Mark Williams, I think. Or was it Jang over Mark Williams? It might have been. Um, um, I can't remember. We had AJ Griffin's over. Uh, I had Tari Easton under 17 and a half just because it looked like so obvious he was going there. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Liddell over Jovic was the big was a big bet of mine, uh, and that didn't fall through, unfortunately. And then, um, so that was, a, that was a bummer. And then I had Christian Brown to go in the first round as well. 
And that was like that was plus money, so that was nice. I think my buddy got a plus three fifty on DraftKings. Like, I know, which was shocking. I saw that. I texted my buddy to, to bet it real quick, so that was nice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think Keegan and Jaden Ivy at four and five plus money were huge for us, and Sochan. That really was what what, made, what what where my bread was buttered. And then the other, I think all the like one guy over another picks we got right. Um, yeah. Dyson Daniels top ten we got right. So you know, again. It, we couldn't. We we really. I mean, I thought we had the top six nailed, and then fucking last minute Orlando goes and switches up on us. But yeah. what can you do? Also, I talked to you about this on the text, but I want to mention it. Fucking unbelievable that ESPN Jonathan Gavoni three minutes before the draft starts changes his mock draft to to reflect Paolo going first. What a fucking loser this guy is! Are you kidding me? All draft cycle. This guy, who has been draft expert since God knows when, says Jabari's going one. Nothing's changing that. Yada yada yada. It's not a lock, but it's close. Three minutes before the draft, it's not even a mock draft at that point. I know. A mock draft has to be at least twelve hours before the actual draft, bro. I'm sorry, maybe six hours if it's a certain thing, Th- bro. Three minutes before, come on, dog. I know that's bad. Three bad. Fucking, bro. Ten minutes before the first pick is announced, after the Woj tweets, he changes it up. What that's a, a loser, piece. man. Him and Chad Ford. Should have a party throwing, but God, man, that pissed me off. I know it shouldn't because it doesn't actually matter, but what a shameless fucking moron that guy is. No, no, yeah. That's uh, <sighs> that's bullshit. I'm going to put him in the ground for it. And he deserves that, and he deserves that. Um, Got some breaking news on the pod while we're taping. Kyrie Irving opting in, not planning on seeking a trade now, um, which is a – I think he just wanted to be the main character for a couple of days, which is very Kyrie-ish. Um. So, yeah, so that's a thing. I also, man, you know what it is with, with, with I think Kyrie? I think that someone told him, like, you're the VP of the Players Union. You can't take $6 million to go play somewhere next year. No. And he's like, damn, you're kind of right. So the, this was really the only option. Nobody, If nobody wanted him, except for the Lakers, who didn't have anything to trade, really, um, he really didn't. He was kind of stuck, unless he wanted to take like lose $30 bucks and, like, send us into a lockout single-handedly. Uh, yeah, wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So, um yeah, so breaking news from from the boys. Speaking of that, I mean, we I think we might we've touched a little bit on it through text, but as far as how free agency shakes up now with the draft being done, is there anything that you see as far as big trades that might be coming, or uh, you know, some other things that might be uh, kind of moved around after the draft? I'm really intrigued by Aiden. And how that plays out because there's a lot of teams, that, but like I don't think Detroit's going to take him on now. It makes no sense to me after tra- after drafting centers back to back years and then you know pretty high. Um, and Bridges seems like a lock to get an offer sheet from Detroit. I don't understand why Charlotte isn't matching Miles Bridges' offer sheets. I don't really know what other plan they have to do with that space, but whatever. Um, you know, he should get paid that for his raps alone. His songs no, are fantastic. Um, so Aiton and Bridges are kind of the two swing guys, and I think Detroit's the swing team because they have cap space, they have a good young core, they have a, a you know uh, coach people want to play for, play guys people want to play with, obvious hole at the wing. Um, so I, you know, yeah, I mean, I think Bridges they could sign Bridges, he could bust, and it really wouldn't even impact them that much, honestly. So uh, yeah, no, I, I I think that's the team to look out for. Is there anything in, in particular that, that you're uh, you got your eye on? Uh, as far as player-wise, um, no, Aiton was probably the, the biggest one. I'm still – for some reason, I feel like Levine's going to go somewhere. I, I don't know why. I don't know to who. Maybe like Dallas or something like that. But I, for some reason, I just have a weird feeling that he's going to go somewhere. Even though Chicago should pay him a shit ton of money to stay there and so they can kind of keep their core. Um but he's brought – I mean, you know, obviously we're talking about Kyrie the past couple of days. Aiton's a huge one. Uh, Miles Bridges, uh, you know, Zach Levine. Bradley Beal, even to an extent. I mean, are they really going to pay him that freaking much money? Uh, it looks like they probably will, um, which is interesting. But, you know, uh, other than that, man, I mean, not many other ones. I mean, you know – there's obviously always been stuff about like Rudy Gobert lately or like 
what Utah was doing, Donovan Mitchell trade, like all this kind of stuff. But I, I just don't see it. Jalen Brunson, he's going to be a New York Nick and not be good. So I can't wait for that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I like that. You're going to pay him yeah. way too much money to be, you know, when Derrick Rose was, you know, playing well for them. Yeah. No, I, I, I think he'll be okay there because he's just, you know, a, a villain of a wildcat. They don't fail. But yeah, so I'm with you. Can I expand on your rant on Bradley Beal for one second? Oh, of course. I, I know I've gone over this a little bit over text. Why, Washington? Why? Why are you doing this? You have a chance to be the worst team in the NBA next year and get the best prospect, maybe fucking ever. I don't know. Like, has there been, like, since LeBron, I don't think LeBron was as good a prospect. I know that sounds fucking crazy, but, like, I don't know. And not that that's even relevant to this. This guy's Bradley Beal, man. Like, he's just, I'm not saying he's empty calories. He's a very good player, but, like, he's just a little bit too good for you. And he, 50 million bucks for his age, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 seasons. He's hurt last year, averaged 23 a game when he did play. Was not very good. That's not a contract you're going to get off trading very easily. You're blow, blowing your chance at, at the high end of a very good draft, like I said. You're losing all this cap room, and you're losing the chance to get all these picks in a sign-and-trade. I don't understand why they feel the loyalty to this guy that they do. I don't know if he, he has you know some kind of information on somebody that could lead to an arrest. Maybe he does. I just I don't get it, man. I don't get what Washington's thinking. I, I know it sounds crazy. I'd rather him just walk for nothing and, ha- and use that cap room that he's going to alleviate for flexibility going forward and be also really fucking bad next year and give the young guys a chance. Rui Hachimara, Denny Abdija, fucking uh, obviously Johnny Davis now. Like, these guys have not really had uh, a much of a chance to, to develop into the – into. I mean, obviously Johnny Davis hasn't started playing yet – into players because Beal is just taking up 25 shots a night he doesn't play fucking defense, man. He doesn't pass the ball. I mean, he did an average six assists last year, to his credit, I will say. But you know, generally, not not really as strong suit to him. So it's like, I, I I just, I can't fathom it. You know, I, I really can't. And good for Bradley Beal, man. Good for him getting quarter billion dollars to win 35 games a year. I just, I just, I don't know. They don't have a path forward, really. They're, they have picks. They have flexibility. But they're not like, Washington's not the kind of market that people are going to get excited about. I don't know, man. I just – I think that, like, people have took that as a given, and I just – I don't get it. I get it for Beal because it's great money and he cannot ask out after a couple of years or whatever. But you just went through this with John Wall. I know there were injuries involved there and all that kind of stuff, but why would you want to put yourself in that at that risk again when you can just – you know, you, you had your two – you had a small window with Beal and, and Wall on their primes. It went by too quick. I'm sorry. It happens. Injuries happen. I'm sorry. Move on. Try again. You know what I'm saying, man? I don't know. It just, I, 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 and it's nothing against Bradley Beal at all. I have not, no ill will toward him. I think he's a great player. I just think for the team, it just makes zero fucking sense to, to give him the big. I also don't understand why it has to be the biggest contract ever. Why, why they can't negotiate something a little bit smaller with him? Why a normal max wouldn't work? He's going to get that from anyone else. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And, uh, but, you know, good for Bradley Beal. I'm really happy for the guy for getting that money because, mm-hmm. you know, that's 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 not a decision I would make if I were Washington personally. But, you know, whatever. No, uh, I'm I'm totally with you, man. Uh, I think it was what? Supermax would come out to like $248 million. It's the biggest contract in basketball history. Biggest yearly deal on this side of Aaron Rodgers ever, period, in sports history. American sports history. Well, obviously, soccer guys make more money. It's just for Bradley Beal. Three-time All-Star. One-time All-NBA. I don't get it. But, hey, hey look, that, and that's my issue. Is like those, There are people that, are, that, that you pay that money to regardless. And somebody every year is going to sign the biggest contract. Like, I'm not, I don't have any gripes with that. I'm just saying for the for, – and I think there are certain instances where Beal could command that salary on a team that really needs him to compete. But the Wizards aren't competing with or without him. I don't know, man. And they're not going to be good for the next five years. I, 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 maybe, I don't know. Maybe Johnny Davis is the second coming. But yeah. <laughs> he so, might be anyway. Real. They're very similar. Yeah. Way, as far as coming up, I mean, you know, guys that are aren't super super ultra athletic. Uh, you know, wing players that can get to their shot. Love the mid range at first, but I mean, like that's why I. 
I love talking about Johnny Davis, obviously. But I love him, but at the same time, did they just draft another Bradley Beal? I mean, drafting Bradley Beal at 10 is great. But, well, yes, yeah, that is. Uh, it's tough when you already have Bradley Beal. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so, no, I'm totally with you, man. I don't know why they're doing it, what's motivating them to keep him around, especially for that kind of coin. Uh, but – yeah, it seems like the right time for them to just kind of cut ties and just say, hey, all right, you know, this is going to happen uh, and we just have to let it happen. Or if not, we're going to be freaking kicking ourselves, uh, you know, three years into this contract. So, yeah, craziness. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. But, well, um, I don't have anything else, bro, uh, unless you do. Um, anything you want to touch on, but. Thank you guys for rocking us this year, tuning in. Um, we'll be back next season, I'm sure, with with some more good content. And the six after the Sixers championship uh, parade, we'll be back here talking some more ball. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, I will not talk to you again until next June, of course. Give me 30 seconds on Melton trade. Go. Yeah, like I said, Melton is very much a hybrid of Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan with some Larry Bird mixed in. Uh, I just don't think he has gotten a shot in Memphis yet. He hasn't played more than 20 minutes a game. Uh, no, in all seriousness, um, no, a very, I mean, a very classic 3 and D guy. Like, very good shooter on high volume, very good defensive player, very good rebounder. I think he tries to do too much on offense sometimes, but I think with a team that already has a lot of shots accounted for, he won't have the opportunity to kind of look like an asshole half the time. Uh, everyone in Memphis was bummed about this, which means it's, you know, what you, what you kind of want <laughs> to see. Um, I do have a little bit of fear – the Josh Richardson situation where it was like, he was a kind of a product of the environment. And when he gets to Philly where it's just, yeah, maybe that maybe the vibes are off or something. I don't know, but he's the ideal kind of, kind of third guard for a team. I think he'll be their sixth man and he'll be on closing lineups uh, against most teams. Um, so yeah, man, a very, very, very much. In. I, at 23, honestly, I think they probably would have taken Jaden Hardy. I much prefer this outcome. Melton just turned 24. Yeah, so he's, he's still a very him. young player. Yeah. A great contract. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just the exact kind of guy you want to target. So, yeah, I'm all in. Love it. Love it. That was more than 30 seconds. It's a little bit more. Yeah, but it's okay. Time's a construct. It's a flat circle and a construct. That's true. Well, all right, everyone. Well, thank you again. Um, I had a great time doing this. Uh, made some money. The promises were hollow. Follow but, you know, me, I can show you where we bees at. How to get my G pass? None of your fucking bees raps. These raps bring a joint together like a kneecap. Fuck the little A 